stand by. We'll be streaming live soon. Good morning, good morning. It's uh, 31st of uh, October 2023, and, uh, and I am uh, blessed to be with you this morning. I hope that you uh, will be able to hear the word and, and be blessed. Let's go into Second Kings chapter 5, and we find Elisha. And when it was so, when Elisha, the man of God, had heard that the king of Israel had rent his clothing, that he sent the king, saying, Wherefore have you rent your clothing? Let him come now to me, and he shall know that there is a prophet in Israel. So the king of Syria, Ben-Hadad, sent a letter to the king of Israel, asking him to connect him with someone uh, that is able to heal. Naaman had leprosy. And of course, when, when Elisha heard that the communication between the king of Syria, Ben-Hadad, with his servants, that they need to come to see a prophet. Remember the little girl made that possible by telling Naaman about a prophet that could heal him. Remember the little girl that became captive. And so here we are on Second Kings. And I'm trying to find myself here in, in exactly where, where to begin. Let's begin with uh, chapter 5, verse 5. And the king of Syria said, Go, go, and I will send a letter to the king of Israel. And he departed and took with him ten talents of silver, six talents of pieces of gold, and ten, and ten changes of raiment, which in 2004 was uh, $3 million. This is an entourage of people that accompanied Naaman to come out of Damascus, Syria, over about 70 to 80 miles trip, perhaps a couple, three, three days journey. And, and this, uh, this great soldier brought this letter. And of course, the king of Israel didn't like the letter. He thought that uh, he was uh, laughing and ridiculing him. And so, and he brought the letter to the king of Israel 
And when this letter is coming unto, unto you, behold, I have therewith sent Naaman, my servant, that you may recover him a leprosy. And that just didn't, didn't go too well with, uh, with, with the king of Israel. So it was when Elijah, the man of God, had heard that the king of Israel had rented his clothing, he sent to the king, saying, Wherefore have you rented your clothing? Let him come now to me, and he shall know that there is a prophet in Israel. So the communication between, between uh, uh, Elijah, Elisha, and, and his entourage begins now on verse, verse 9. So Naaman came with horses, with his chariot, stood at the door of, the, of Elisha, and he begins. The whole entourage is right there in front of the house of, of Elisha the prophet. First of all, I like to look at this from a prophetic point of view. Naaman is the character coming out of Syria. Ben-Hadad is the king of Syria. The king of Israel is the one receiving the letter from Ben-Hadad. The little girl is what caused the whole commotion to happen because she witnessed unto his uh, Naaman's wife. And Naaman's wife heard it and began talking. And so now the trip happens. And here is the great soldier in front of the house of the prophet, had leprosy. Yesterday I talked to you about several causes of leprosy or different types of leprosy. And now I want to call your attention to, to the prophet. Elisha had a house which simply uh, speaks very highly on how the people respected the prophet. And so, Naaman, and so Elisha responds. He sent a messenger unto him, saying, Go and wash in the Jordan seven times, and your flesh shall come again to you, and you shall be clean. God bless this word in Jesus' name. Why is it that the prophet Elisha sent a message to someone parked? with his entourage in front of his house. Why not get out of the house, give the man some information, tell him what to do? Have you, have you thought of that? Why is it that the prophet Elisha, knowing that outside of his house there's an entourage of at least 25, 30 people, there's a chariot, and there's a... Servants and money and, and clothing. Why is it? Why would the prophet not get out of his bed or his chair and go outside and say to Naaman, uh, Nice to meet you, Naaman. Uh, I'm Elisha. Uh, nice to meet your party. I want you to go to the River Jordan and dip in there and bathe seven times. But there's a there's a, a, a reason. Number one, 
when God opened the door of Elisha, Elisha is not in charge anymore. A prophecy has a beginning and an end. And it does not favor people. It does not explain to people. It does not spend a lot of time dealing with it. It's dry and clear. Go to the Jordan River, dip seven times, and you'll be, your skin will be like a baby. Skin. And so there's no, no conversation. There's no dialogue. Never in a prophetic word, there's a dialogue that goes on and on and on and on, and considering all the facts. It's clear to the point it came directly to, to, and of course he found Naaman not ready. Let's take a look. Naaman was wrought, very angry, and went away, goodness gracious, and said, Behold, I thought he would surely come out to me and stand, right? Remember, and call out the name of the Lord his God. Now, why is it? Why is it that uh, that the word was right from, from Elisha? It's because Naaman wasn't spiritually ready to receive a healing. You see, a lot of people <clears throat> think that when God does something, He considers a dialogue to be necessary. What really happened is that on verse 11, Naaman is angry, upset. Strike his hand over, over the place and recover the leper. He was a powerful soldier. Armies all over the, that area knew about Naaman. Naaman, don't ever fight Naaman, you, you'll lose. And so he acted as if someone is in charge of the environment. God respects no person. There is no, no, no person. Don't, don't, don't expect God to appease to your ignorance. Don't expect God to sort of compromise and, and twist the whole thing so you'll be happy. A word is a word. Amen? By the way, the camera changed something. J, J, uh, look at the camera. Well, another camera came in the picture. Okay, thank you very much. So, what... <laughs> What I'm saying to you, <laughs> that, that's Andy Hines. He, he's right here. Uh, now, the word from the Lord does not need to be compromised. It cannot be compromised. A prophetic utterance is dry to the point without favoritism. It comes to you, and it's up to you to receive it, up to you to deny it, up to you to run away. And in the case of Naaman, if you look at verse 11, I'm repeating this twice now. Naaman was wrought, very angry, and went away. <clears throat> and behold, I thought, this is what Naaman is saying, I thought he would surely come out to me and stand and call out the name of the Lord, his God. So Naaman wasn't ready to receive because the element of faith is whatever it is, Lord, I receive it. Whatever it is that you're telling me, I receive it. And a lot of people are not ready. They have no, no concern. They, all they want is their will to be made. And they want to be favored and get what they want. And the Lord is not trying to give 
what you want. He is trying to see the condition of your soul, how you feel about the things, and how you proceed after it's been said to you. And in this case, Naaman expects to be waited on, courted, and to receive every possible attention. But Elisha just sent a message out and said to him, and tell him what to do, which is really the formation of a powerful prophetic miracle about to happen. Why is it that sometimes people are not blessed? It's because they're pride. You see, pride is the crowning sin of the human race. Pride is the crowning sin of the human race. It is sinful. When you think that you can ask God for a miracle in the way you want the miracle to be. And, and of course, you want to hear the heart of this great soldier. Let's take a look on verse 12. Are not Abana and Farfar, rivers of Damascus, better than all the waters of Israel? May I not wash in them and be clean? See, he turned and went away in rage. So he turned and went away in rage. There's a lot of rage in leadership that does not consider the will of God for the plans you already made. There's a lot of rage between the will of God and someone that prepares everything in order to get it done. And I tell you, you will be defeated. You will not succeed. Your plans are not going to be considered by the Lord because you did not ask Him what is the perfect will of God for your personal life. I've been into a situation where I saw a schedule of a lot of, a lot of things that's about to happen on mission trips. And, uh, and uh, I was in Cuba when I heard about that. And of course... Half of it will not happen. Because it was put together by the will of men instead of the will of God. What I'm saying to you is that when you are under a prophetic utterance, you can't have favoritism to please yourself. You've got to please God. And you've got to listen carefully what He's trying to say instead of what you want to do. All right, now. So, Naaman is saying, I have to... By the way, Abana and Farfa, I've studied a little bit. They're the most beautiful rivers in the world. I mean, the, the two rivers that are outside of Damascus are considered to be the most beautiful rivers you've ever seen. And I believe that in those days, it was the same. Beautiful rivers. And I agree. If you've been close to the Jordan, it gets muddy now and then. It goes under small creeks and small bridges. It enlarges itself. And uh, it's not a pretty river. Matter of fact, is uh, uh, today does not describe the, the beauty of the Jordan River. But in those days, uh, it was a, a, a nice place. But no comparison to Abana and Farfa rivers. They were much beautiful. So why the prophet calls out, to be in a river like the Jordan. 
And I want to tell you that a prophecy is considered and placed upon your life according to the environment. In other words, if you are a prophetic voice, you don't go to China in order to say something to go over there. It's the easiest, the closest, and what you know. And in this case, the Jordan is much closer than anywhere else. Now, let's take a look. Where was Naaman when he knocked on the door of the great prophet Elisha? He was in Samaria. Where is the Jordan River in relation to Samaria? Very close, right there. In other words, it's just a skip and a jump from Samaria to the Jordan River. Take a look at Samaria, which was below the Lake of Galilee. You turn right, looking at, it is right close. So, so prophetically, what's, what validates a, a prophetic statement is that it's called upon the environment to where, to where you are. If you are in downtown Atlanta, Georgia, you don't go to Marietta. You go to the Peach Street. It's closer. It's right there. You call the prophetic according to where you are. You call the prophetic as to the fastest way to bring you healing. You call the prophetic to where you need to be and not, not, not go to Marietta. Or, or, or go to Rome, Georgia. It's just not going to happen. And so, verse 13. Now, when that, when, when the entourage of Naaman was informed that he was enraged, because if you look at verse 12, so he turned and went away in a rage. Why would a man of so much value, so much power, be enraged because his flesh is being considered? And his servants came near. Now, near means stay away from somebody that is angry and bitter and resentful. I never understood that lesson (laughs) until this last month. In other words, I came with gifts and blessings and forgiveness and redemption, and I, I, I met rage. That's the way it is. When someone is not ready for forgiveness, they have rage in them. And rage kills you and destroys you. Rage causes cancer. Rage is a very, very, very dangerous form of disease. So they came near. Not talking to him, they came near and spoke unto him and said, My father, now, who are his servants? The servants here are, servants here are people who loved and appreciated and followed anything this man would do, Naaman. And said, My father, if the prophet had bid you to some great thing, would you not have done it? Now, I wanna, we don't discuss much about these prophets, these, these servants, but this chapter 5 is about two types of servants. One is Gehazi, which we'll do it tomorrow. 
The other one is the prophet, is the servants of Naaman. The other people. Those that don't have any names. See, you mentioned Gehazi. But you don't mention the name of those who did what he did by telling the great soldier this. If it was a difficult thing that you asked to do, I would agree. But what's the matter with you? Go there and take a shower. Now, that, that type of servant is what you need to have around you. Because the Word of God will use them to tell you what you need to do. It is confirmed by the Holy Spirit. I would not have around me unbelieving servants. I don't care how gifted they are, how blessed they are, how talented they are, because they have in them unbelief and rage. Listen. Amen. And what I'm saying to you is that I will not be caught up with servants that do not in no shape or form can bless my life and deal with me. I, I prefer to be alone by myself without having that type of servant. And I tell you, I learned a great lesson. A great lesson. Rage kills and destroys. And he's about to die. This decision to honor the servants that he had has got to be one of the greatest decisions that this great soldier made in all his life. And his servants came near and spoke unto him and said, My father, if the prophet had bid you to do some great thing, would you not have done it? How much more, how, how, how much rather than when he said to you, Wash and be clean? Why, I, what I'm saying to you is that these servants is what you want to have around you. You don't want anybody that is gifted in their skills, but they are enraged. The unbelievers, they have no right to speak to you because there is death in their realm. There, they have rage in their soul. Their teeth, acridity, acidity, wormwood, gall, poison, they're filled with it. You've got to know, you've got to see. By the way, Thursday night, I want to speak and teach on the power to see. And I'm real sorry that uh, our website, lotofrain.com, will not be able to have it, that teaching. But I believe I already taught in that subject last week. And you can go back into our uh, archives and you can pick up the lesson, the ability to see how, why, when, what happened to Simeon when he saw. Out of a thousand babies, year after year after year, that baby was the son of the Almighty God. So, so let's take a look. I'm, I'm validating these ser- servants. And his servants came near. And his ser- Now these are the real servants you want to have around you. Now, look at verse 14, which is really a powerful verse. You know, these verses and these studies in the Bible, you can miss the whole thing. If you just simply just walk away and don't pay attention. Look at verse 14, chapter 5, 2 Kings. Listen to it. Then he went down and dipped 
himself seven times in the Jordan. <laughs> oh, I tell you. Now listen. He, then he went down. Now, I don't know what direction he went, but if the house of the prophet is in Samaria, he had to go down. The road will lead him to go down to find the next, the most appropriate, the fastest place he can go to find the Jordan. And I know that his servants led him. He wasn't being directing the direction. His servants said, come, come after me. Come on, Naaman. Get the chariot. Get your horses. And you can see Naaman standing, a servant leading the horses of this great chariot. It must have been an unbelievable 1955 Ford. And, uh, <laughs> you know, it's not just a little tail fins about this big. And he is just uh, just uh, standing on the side as the horses. And what kind of horses? The best horse you can find anywhere in those days. And all the entourage of 30, 40, 50 men, they were carrying all kinds of things. I told you, clothing and money and, and food. and I mean, a tent. That was about 40, 50 men to carry everything they needed. And you can see that entourage of 50 to 75 people moving forward. But in front of all of that entourage, there's got to be a couple servants. That's way, this way. Follow, follow me, follow me, uh, uh, Naaman. I'll take you to this river. You see, I'm really impressed with these servants because it makes a total difference as to who you are and serve the Lord and how you do it. You know, on January first, nineteen, January first, coming up now, I, I will be eighty years of age. And I've been wonderfully blessed by servants of the Lord who have guided me or oriented me and helped me and counseled me properly. Oh, my God, we had so many people come through these doors to be with us and to be people of God. You know, one of them was Jonathan Dunn. Another one of them was Cindy Walker. And Andy Hines is with me now. And now we have a guy called D.J. Collins and his wife, his wife uh, Noel. And if I look back, uh, uh, I had one called Blake Haas. And if I went way back in Brazil, there were dozens and dozens and dozens of people who run the mission and, 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 and caused a feeding program that now feeds about 3,000 people a month. Oh, what a wonderful experience to be in that kitchen at 12 o'clock. Now, so he went down. And without asking, like, give me a tower. Where is the soap? I need my seat in my chair. He went down and dipped. I love the heart of this man that was totally changed by the witness and the testimony of his servants. He went down and dipped himself seven times in the Jordan. <laughs> oh, what, what a resolute man of God powerful general of the army of Syria under Ben-Hadad the, the king. Look, dipped himself seven times. 
according to the saying of the men of God. Now, in other words, he did it because Elijah said do it. He did it because Elijah pointed the way. He didn't, he pointed the way exactly. How do we know where to go? He said the Jordan. The Jordan is there. We're going, get up, get things together. We're going to the Jordan. According to the saying of the men of God, meaning the Jordan. And his flesh came again unto, like unto the flesh of a little child. Now, if you, if you ever seen a little child, and so yesterday I went to visit Blake Haas, my dear friend, my, 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 my fourth son, Blake Haas. And he, and, 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 and the, his wife named, uh, Ansley. And I touched the baby's little fingers with my finger. Oh my goodness. What a beautiful flesh. White, clean, anointed. And the boy looked at me, Andrew, and smiled that smile. And the Bible says he was clean. He was clean. Neighbor was clean. He became clean. You could have seen the party. Everybody clapping and dancing. Hallelujah. Oh my God. Oh my God. Giving glory to God. Anointing and lifting hands. And, and I, I, Now, why seven? There's nothing magical about seven. Only that it denotes God's total and complete redemption. In other words, the finished work of the cross. And what I'm saying to you is the reason why seven is because it kills, it destroys self-will. Every little detail. Go to the Jordan. Dip yourself seven times and you shall be clean. The prophecy is detailed, complete. I hope that you learned something about service today. I hope that you look around your environment and see in Jesus' name. Amen. Eu quero ser um testemunho Remove o erro e crie o bem em mim Estrela alva brilha em mim Brilha a luz que inunda o meu
Yeah. 